welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Leah Heigl, and I'm here with my co-host, Aiden Muir. And today we're going to be discussing the age-old question, how much protein can be absorbed in one single sitting? So this is a topic that is often surrounded by a lot of confusion, and that's not just with the general public, like that's with dietitians and nutrition coaches alike. Um, So there's definitely a lot of confusion in this space, and I think that comes from a lot of the specific wording and nuance of of the physiology and all of that stuff, um, like many things in in the nutrition space. So in talking about the question of how much protein can the body absorb, I think the first issue is probably terminology. Like people, when they say absorb, they probably mean how much can we use for muscle building? Yeah. And even that doesn't really solve the debate to make it super simple, which I'll come back to. But like in prep for this podcast, I Googled how much protein can the body absorb? Because I'm just like, I just want to see what people are saying. Because like I've, I've heard people, but I'm like what's going to be the most common thing? And the first thing that came up in the highlighted text, like before clicking on any links or anything like that, was like the most your body can absorb in one sitting is around 25 grams of protein. And in this case, one sitting refers to the time over the course of 1.5 to 2 hours. So that is an interesting way of thinking about it because 25 grams is not a tiny amount of protein, but it's not much either um and we're going to talk through like later on about like why that concept can't even make sense at all like when you think about it hard enough which i is interesting because as we talked about like there's like there are even dietitians who for your degrees etc who might not fully understand this concept but i i also just think that's just it's not in their area they've never had to actually think about it super 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 deeply because when you do think about it, there will be some easy things that kind of make that fall apart but These kind of statements are pretty much always based on measuring the acute spike in muscle protein synthesis after consuming the protein. So the way they typically measure it will be something along the the lines of this person eats 10 grams protein, 20 grams, 30 grams, 40 grams, and they check to see how much muscle protein synthesis rises by. And whenever it stops rising significantly more, which is actually a key word, that is deemed the optimal amount of protein. The reason why I say that's a key word is because I don't like you've finished your sports dietitians course recently, haven't you? Yeah. Um, there was one site, like, I don't know if you would have got the same thing as me, but there was one section on muscle building where they were talking about muscle protein synthesis. And they whipped up this slide that was like 10 grams, 20 grams, 30 grams, 40 grams, and the muscle protein synthesis response. And the 40 gram, the muscle protein synthesis was actually a little bit higher than the 30 gram, but it wasn't statistically significant. So they're like, so 30 grams is the most you can have that maximizes muscle protein synthesis and like i'm not exactly going to describe myself as a meathead or like a bro science enthusiast but like me looking at that chart is like i take the 40 grams like in that chart like i take the one that led to more muscle protein synthesis um but that's just an interesting point that's kind of based on that and even those studies are not necessarily super consistent there was even one study that came out over the last two years where they did it on people who were elderly and they did it post-workout. I think it was a full-body session, which we know actually can increase the amount of protein required. And 70 grams got better outcomes than a lower amount, which was either 30 or 40 grams. I can't remember off the top of my head. And they came to the conclusion that 70 grams. So it's like if you just looked at that one study, you would come to the conclusion 70 grams is the most you can absorb, quote-unquote, in a single sitting versus all these other people who are... There's a lot of people who are saying 20 grams is the most you can absorb. It's pretty size dependent in terms of larger people with more muscle mass. Typically, this limit in what it takes to 
maximize muscle protein synthesis in a single sitting gets higher for larger people and it's a little bit lower towards the 20 gram mark for smaller people. So as I was saying, there's a difference between absorption and use for muscle building. We know pretty factually that pretty much all of the protein you eat gets absorbed. Protein has multiple functions. It's not just used for building muscle. It has other things. It can even, for example, be converted to glucose in the body. So it can get absorbed and used for all these other functions. And something to think about is when somebody is wondering how much protein should they eat to build muscle, they don't really care about... They're not asking what spikes muscle protein synthesis the most for a one-hour period. (laughs) What they're asking is how much muscle is this going to help you? <laughs> like they're asking about that. We care about longitudinal outcomes more than muscle protein synthesis. So if one study showed that having, for example, this is a hypothetical thing, it's not actually what we're really talking about, but if somebody had a study where they had 70 grams of protein per meal and the other one had 30 grams of protein per meal and they both showed these things in terms of acute muscle protein synthesis, but the 70 grams led to more muscle growth over 12 weeks which one would you care about? <laughs> You'd probably You're going to go with the one that's getting the muscle growth. Yeah. So that's also something to think about. Like the acute muscle protein synthesis increase is really just a very important but sign. It's just a sign of what we're really trying to measure. So that's something to consider. I think it definitely comes down to the wording that we're using. And I think a lot of people say absorb when they they don't mean absorb. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there's obviously, yeah, like you said, a very big difference between optimizing muscle protein synthesis with your protein intake and absorbing all of your, your protein. So the amount of protein you absorb from a meal is not dictated by how much protein is in that meal. It can be affected by other things. It could be affected by where you're getting that protein from in regards to protein digestibility of, say, legumes versus steak. That's something that can affect the absorption. Um, But the amount of protein in a meal does not affect the absorption. One thing I like, one example I like to think of is people on a carnivore diet who are getting most of their calories from protein. If they were to just eat one meal a day that was just steak, would they just not absorb those calories, just not absorb that protein and waste away even though they're eating at maintenance calories? Yeah, like... Obviously not. To put numbers on that, like if you could only absorb, for example, that thing said 25 grams of protein, if that's all you could absorb and all you were eating was protein, which obviously they're not, they're eating fat as well, but like pretending they only chose lean cuts of meat, like, and you only had 25 grams of protein per meal or whatever, and they ate twice per day to make this even worse, you'd only end up with 50 grams of protein that you could absorb, and that would be like 200 calories because there's four calories per gram of protein. Obviously, that would make this concept not make sense. Yeah, it would It would be the ultimate dieting tool if you didn't absorb all of the protein from a really high-protein meal. So it kind of just becomes a bit silly when you start thinking about it like that. So we'd really need to differentiate between our terminology of optimizing muscle protein synthesis and absorbs because obviously they're very different things. Um, And the nail in the coffin for this, so am I going back to kind of muscle building, is that a lot of research highlights that having between like 1.6 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo body weight per day outperforms lower amounts in regards to specifically thinking about muscle building. But then if you think about if you can only absorb 25 
grams of, of protein every two hours, like a lot of people aren't going to be able to reach that total daily protein intake they require that the research shows is great for muscle building if they're just having five lots of 25 grams throughout the day like it starts to fall apart how could those numbers coexist like they quite literally can't coexist unless you're having like 10 meals per day like to give an example if somebody was 80 kilos and they went for the bottom end of that 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram per day kind of spectrum they'd have to be aiming for 130 grams of protein and if they ate four meals that were 25 grams of protein since that is the max that could be absorbed in this theoretical kind of world, they would only get 100 grams of protein. They'd be 30 grams short of that target. If they ate five meals, they could get to 125, and that's still just below the bottom of this range. So it is something to consider and be like, okay, like those numbers can't coexist. So even if we're basing it just on the muscle protein synthesis effect, that still doesn't cover things fully. Yeah, obviously, like even if you say you pretty much peak muscle protein synthesis say say your body does peak um muscle protein synthesis at 30 grams every two to three hours there's obviously still some kind of muscle building effect beyond that based on the numbers we have for total daily protein requirements for muscle building yeah so they just don't add up and in terms of the like nail in the coffin in terms of like why doesn't this make sense have you ever seen somebody who does intermittent fasting and is also jacked (laughs) Like yes, I'm going, going, going real anecdotal here, but no, but like that's the real anecdotal thing. Just being like, first, like okay, it's, it's right in front of us. If we see this yeah. happening in terms of if you could only absorb 25 grams and people could do intermittent fasting and get jacked at the same time, it, it doesn't, it seems kind of like, it's like, what is going on there? But like, if we want to actually go and like look at the research and do what we should do, like the research is showing pretty clearly that in these intermittent fasting studies, People are not dropping muscle like crazy. Like if calories and protein are matched, as in some person does like two meals per day in a small eating window and the other person spreads it out across the day and the calories and protein are matched, the outcomes come out very similarly, particularly in a calorie deficit. They're not dropping muscle like crazy because if you went too deep down this rabbit hole and you're like, oh, 25 grams of protein or whatever, five meals per day or whatever is what it takes to reach this, you'd think that would have drastically superior outcomes, which it doesn't seem to. Yeah, so we know based on the research that reaching your that kind of 1.6 to 2.2 yeah. grams per kilo body weight per day is far superior to just having like that 0.4 to 0.6 grams every three hours yeah. and not reaching that total daily yeah, protein. Exactly. Like we have stats on that. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, again, it does fall apart in that regard. Yeah. I love that wording, which kind of leads into the, the next topic where it's kind of like, so total protein intake far outweighs timing. Yes. But timing still matters. It still matters. Yeah. <laughs> like if you go... Once again, in fitness, like people can go too far to either extreme where they're like, oh, protein timing is all that matters, or people could be like, total protein is all that matters. It can be both. It's just the way I personally view it is I say that total protein intake is doing about 90% of what you can to build muscle. That's not a research-based number. That's just my best interpretation of the research, about 90%. And the last 10% comes from things like timing in terms of how it's spread out across the day. So in a perfect world, the way to do it is to get that 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilogram of body weight protein per day, keeping in mind that it's getting complex, but keeping in mind that like if you're quite lean, you might want to go towards the higher end of that target or even higher. If you have a lot of body fat, your range would actually be a little bit lower. Maybe it's like 
1.4 to 1.8 or something like that. This is just a generalization in terms of people who lift weights and are kind of lean to start off with. But like we know total protein intake, whatever that means for you personally, is a priority. But then spreading it across the day is still useful because those numbers aren't made up. Like those like limits in terms of maximizing muscle protein synthesis are still important. Because theoretically, like you maximize muscle protein synthesis, you have a gap, you maximize it again, you have a gap, you maximize it again, versus the alternative theoretical way of thinking about where it's like you maximize muscle protein synthesis and then you don't eat it again for ages and you're in a quote-unquote catabolic state for a long period of time. Obviously, that's not the be-all and end-all. Otherwise, intermittent fasting, people lose muscle like crazy. But it still does matter. There is one major study on this that kind of really summarized this from Alan Aragon and Brad Schoenfeld. I'm not really sure if you say it, Schoenfeld. I never know. Yeah, I say Schoenfeld. So I read all this stuff, but like, I don't know, like I, reading and saying yeah. is very different. But anyway, so from 2013, and the title of this paper is How Much Protein Can the Body Absorb in a Single Sitting for Muscle Building? And their conclusion, which is the conclusion that I have also come to, is that you want to aim for a minimum of and this is the optimal. Keep in mind, this is optimal. Four occasion, occasions each day, we aim for 0.4 to 0.55 grams per kilogram of body weight protein per meal. And it's four to six, they kind of said. They say a minimum of four. Um, I'll go through why six is the upper limit. Three meals is almost as good as four, so long as you're still hitting that total protein amount. It's barely meaningful, which is why I really emphasized optimal, because sometimes if I'm working with somebody... And three fits into their schedule so much better than four. Yeah, if they if they're just going to skip that fourth meal and not hit their daily protein yeah. intake, then it makes sense to just go. Just through. put it in three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's close enough that it doesn't matter. Um, so that was what was considered to be optimal. And this review included both muscle protein synthesis style data, but also longitudinal outcomes. If you look into it really deeply, you'll see that there's not actually that many longitudinal, like long-term, like 12-week studies and stuff like that, that were utilized in this particular review. But at the time, that was the best that was available. And it's kind of the best consensus and it's held up to the test of time since then. Like every review on the topic that's come out since then is kind of aligned with this kind of thinking as well. Why, if, if we look at it from that lens, where it's frequent meals or frequent protein feedings is beneficial still, would there be any downside to going higher? Like if a bodybuilder is trying to absolutely optimize their protein intake, why wouldn't they have 10 meals per day? I mean, you can. You can. You yeah. can. Is it feasible? I think it's a big one. Is it feasible? And like, it seems like the conclusion is really four to six meals because it's like, well, that optimizes it. Why would you go above that if, yeah. if you couldn't? Um, sorry, if you didn't need to. But the other way of thinking about it is, do you know about like, like leucine threshold? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you, you obviously, like, you talk about that from a vegan perspective. Yeah. How hard is that to reach that threshold anyway, particularly on a vegan diet? Oh, on a vegan diet. It's yeah. Very difficult. <laughs> yeah. So imagine you were aiming for, I don't know, 130 grams of protein or whatever and trying to hit the leucine threshold. That's true. Yeah. So if you're splitting it into too many meals, you wouldn't be hitting that leucine threshold in most yeah. of them. That's a really great point. Yeah. I think that's the simplest explanation as to why. So basically, the leucine threshold is basically... We talk about being like 25 grams to optimize muscle protein synthesis, but it goes hand in hand with like a certain amount of leucine. So leucine is an amino acid, which is linked to muscle building. 25 grams of protein typically has around enough leucine to reach the threshold. Um, so if you spread it out over too many meals, you probably wouldn't get that unless you raise your total protein intake quite, quite high. Because um, even if you think about it, if you're aiming for 200 grams of protein, which is a high target, and you had 10 meals, that's still only 20 grams of protein per 
meal. So you probably wouldn't reach the leucine threshold, particularly on a plant-based diet. The other theory, which I'm not necessarily sold on, it seems to have fallen a little bit out of favour, but it's still like a theory that gets kicked around that might be relevant, is this concept of a refractory period, which is basically like you stimulate muscle protein synthesis, it's rising, it's rising, it's rising, and then it drops, and then you stimulate it again, it's rising, 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 then it drops, and that's how we maximise this approach. And there's this thought process that maybe it... You stimulate it, it rises, and if you ate again as it was just about to start dropping, it doesn't help anymore. Like, it doesn't make it continue to rise or whatever. Like, it, it needs this period to cool down, so to speak, a refractory period to go back. So, like, either way, like, the the leucine threshold thing kind of makes a little bit more sense to me. That's more clear-cut. The refractory period, you know, maybe it exists, but, like, whether or not it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because it's, like, four to six is – it seems to be optimal – that's all we need to really think about. Three is almost as good as four. If you prefer three, have three. Unless you're really, really chasing optimal, then maybe have four. But that's a one percenter. That's only a tiny difference. Yeah, I think in, in summary, at the end of the day, you want to focus on getting that total daily protein intake, tick that off, and then you want to try to split it between that four to six meals across the day. And then that's what's going to optimize muscle building. And don't worry about going over that, I mean, amount that you can optimize muscle protein synthesis within a single meal because you can absolutely go over that and still build muscle obviously yeah agreed i just i wouldn't even think about this upper limit kind of thing just focus on those things that you just kind of said this has been episode 25 of the ideal nutrition podcast i want to thank once again everybody's giving us a rating rating and review we're on a little bit of delay in terms of we record these in advance but what would now be like five or six weeks ago, <laughs> I asked people on Instagram to give us a rating and review and it, it doubled the amount of reviews we've gotten, which was pretty huge. And like, I was reading through it and I was like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> this it's is, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people were saying some really nice things and I, I personally really appreciate that. And I'm sure Leah does too. So thank you to everybody who left a rating and review and thank you to everybody who listens as well.